0: everybody hello before we get started this week just a quick request for you to rate and review us on apple podcasts please do it thanks now the episode hello hi i'm grace and i'm madeline and we are dragon babies we reread our favorite YA fantasy classics and discuss why they're maybe even better for adults. Because often they are. This week, Dragon's Blood by Jane Yolen. Yeah. This book was published in 1982. It's been in our lives for a while and was fascinating to revisit. That's a lot older than I thought. So before we get into our full fledged discussion, we're going to do a marketing breakdown to talk about the way the publisher chose to package and promote. This book,
1: Madeline. So in our edition, I'm not sure if it's the original edition, but it's a, uh, looks like colored. It's the publisher. Look at this Magic screen. Carpet Books. <laughs> uh, it looks like a colored pencil drawing, maybe, yeah. of uh, Jekin, and he has heart's blood in little baby form. And then there's another dragon behind him that looks like it's going to eat him. So, <laughs> don't know who that's supposed to be maybe the dragon that he took heart's blood from yeah
0: i think this is supposed to be when he's first stealing the hatchling okay so maybe that's the hen
1: yeah it is a really great little meow face that the hen <laughs> is making the
0: dragons are i mean the covers just setting up the preston for some very cute dragon yeah. action that's going to be happening throughout this book because the dragons are adorable
1: yeah yeah um he has a pretty cool green lantern that's glowing. Uh, he's got some boy band tastic hair and a uh, looks like a dashiki, a white dashiki with some brown trim. That <laughs> <laughs> he's I'm, wearing. Uh,
0: yeah, I have a lot I want to discuss about the. Technology that's available in the society, yeah. and then also just um, the garb yeah. in general. So yeah. we'll talk. We'll talk about that. You could see Does he have
1: his bond collar on? It, no, oh, the there's collar, his bag. There's bag. Yeah. yeah, it's just a bond bag that they wear. They um, have a collar too. The cover has a black background, and Dragon's Blood is in red lettering. It's pretty cool. I like it.
0: It's very appealing. As a child, I was and remain drawn to it.
1: Yeah, no, And I just really like the feeling of this book. I really like the way that they packaged it. I like the drawing on the front. The dragons feel like characters already. mm -hmm, Yeah. From Um, this art. Yeah, the little baby dragon's really, really cute. Just want to give it a little scritch on its head. Uh, And uh, yeah, they also chose to put an excerpt on the back of the book instead of a... Uh, summary, which I always prefer. And um, Grace, would you like to do a plot summary now?
0: So, this book takes place on a planet that's in a group of planets that people seem to be able to travel between. And McCaffrey vibes. Definite and McCaffrey vibes yeah. for quite a few reasons. On this planet, there is a society in place in which there are very clear ranks of, like, human freedom and authority there are mat and everything revolves around the economy of dragon fighting Mm -hmm. um which people bet on uh if they're you know free or or if they're bonded um but the the betting is really the way that people make or break themselves it seems um there are masters who own dragon nurseries and then within the nurseries there are dragon trainers and then there are bonded men and women and boys and girls who have a variety of different like slave labor tasks Mm -hmm. essentially um there are also hints of other uh, forms of economy like uh sex slavery prostitution um and then other jobs basically relating to dragon racing and fighting. And there's,
1: because people can technically buy themselves out of slavery, and that's kind of the whole idea, there's hints of indentured servitude. Right, of indentured
0: servitude, rather yeah. Rather than
1: being like straight up slavery.
0: And the the system is very rigidly set in place. Um, it, it is... God, it's really fascinating. I mean, it, this is a very interesting society that Jane Yolen created mm-hmm. um, because everyone has the ability to buy their way out of slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also much higher and lower likelihoods of different people, yeah, especially men versus women, being able to do that mm-hmm. um, just based on the work that they're able to get and the benefits and opportunities that they have yeah. um, depending on their, their rank and their position. Um But there's always that promise. Um, And a lot of the masters were bonded Mm -hmm. at one point. So there's also an interesting interplay of like the closeness there Mm -hmm. Um, and a weird sort of egalitarian vibe to some of it, uh, where it, it, you know, it feels like, okay, well, no matter where you're starting from, you may have this hope. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's also a naming convention in place that identifies individuals who are within three generations Mm -hmm. of being bonded um, because they have double K's in their names. So just a little background. The main character is a young teen named Jacken.
1: 13 or 14. Yeah.
0: Who is a bag boy, a bonded boy, um, living in a, Dragon nursery owned by his master Sarkon. He has dreams of raising his own dragon as a trainer, whom he can then take to fight in the pits and ultimately earn enough to fill his bag, which is the terminology for being able to buy your way out of
1: slavery. And turns out Sarkon has had his eye on him the whole time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so he gets (laughs) some. I mean, there is like a little twist at the end that we'll get to, but. He jackin does manage to steal a hatchling who is mysteriously uncounted after the after a round of eggs have hatched um and he takes the hatchling out into the desert and raises it in a little shelter um and it grows and shows signs of promise and strength uh along the way he becomes closer with a Teen girl who works in the infirmary. Um, and the two of them, her name is Akka. Aki. A- Aki. I'm really struggling with all the names. They're so similar. I'm sorry. Her name is Aki. And the two of them raise the dragon up until the dragon's at a point that it can be taken to fight in the pit. The dragon wins its fight. Um, the master, Sarkon, appears and tells Jackin that he's been watching him and he helped him steal the hatchling, essentially, and also had the gross, mean training <laughs> master follow him and report back on everything he was doing. And Jacken's dragon is revealed to be a female dragon and he names her Heart's Blood. And- Spoiler alert, Heart's Blood is my badass lady. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that in due time, and that's you know a fast and loose uh, description of the plot of this book. It is very clear that it's the beginning of a series, mm-hmm. um and we will yeah we'll talk a little bit more about the series when we do our old new impressions. Mm-hmm. um
1: Anything important that I left out? Uh, Jack and kills some drac. He kills one drac, and then he's involved in the killing of some other ones. And drac are dragon. Predators of dragons, so the dragon breeders do not like having them around. They are, like, nasty lizard-type things.
0: And... Being a man is also closely associated with hunting and killing Drac. Um, Being a man versus a boy. Yeah. And after that point, uh, Jackin gets a lot more responsibilities and just kind of access to mm-hmm. um, different components of his nursery society, yeah. basically. And there's a really cool cook who gives him a lot of food. <laughs> and I... Wish there was a kitchen I could just walk into and a woman would say, have a slab of meat. <laughs> I'd say, thank you.
1: Eat this. <laughs> or talk. Is that the... Talk is yeah. the liquid that
0: puts hair on your chest. It's like a coffee analog. Yeah. We are really into fantasy coffees. and It sounds like Turkish coffee. Like it sounds very strong. Totally. Yeah. We'll talk more about that later. We're getting ahead of ourselves. We'll talk about talk. So let's dive into old and new impressions and discuss how we viewed this book when we were young and we first read it versus what we noticed on rereading
1: as adults. Mm -hmm. Would you like to start? Sure. So I read the first three of these books uh, not the fourth one, because the fourth one came out in like it 2009? Came out
0: very, yeah, it came out much more recently. And I actually looked at Jane Yellen's website while doing research, and she hasn't even updated the website to say that the fourth one is out
1: yet. That's really interesting. I mean, it came out twenty more than 20 years after the previous one. Mm-hmm. So interesting that she revisited, because I remember I read all three, and then I was like, well, that's it. <laughs> and it didn't feel finished. Yeah. So it is it is interesting that there's a fourth one um, now, 20 years later, that I haven't read. Well, now it's been 30 years. Anyways, I was struck a lot about how brutal this book and this universe is versus when I was a child, I took it more at face value, mm-hmm. as children do. Yeah. You don't really stop to analyze, to be like, wow, this is brutal stuff. This this is a harsh world and a harsh universe. Um for me, the amount that people love dragons, it is really dissonant with forcing them to fight. I was and also not, eating them, yeah, yeah, they're their main food source that they eat the dragon. I mean, so pragmatically, it it makes sense. they they can't. It's a desert world. They can't provide for all the dragons. So certain. Only the strongest are going to survive. It's a society that was built from convicts that were exiled
0: to that planet. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're really just at the bottom rung of, you know, human society yeah. and actualization. Like, they're just trying to make it day by day. Mm-hmm. And there are those really interesting moments when Jackin says... There's no way I could possibly steal from the nursery because if I took some of their supplies, that could mean one of the older dragons not having enough food to eat, like, mm-hmm. or saying that they don't have enough power for their weapons, mm-hmm. for their stingers, they yeah. don't have enough power packs, um, and that the master might have to put them on half rations if his he doesn't win his fight, like people are just barely clinging to what they need. Yeah. And even though they live on this planet where at night after dark is mm-hmm. what it's called when dark after dark after I'm sorry, after dark is the set of screensavers, from <laughs> oh the 90s. including the flying toasters, <laughs> including flying toasters. Um, I have a lot of love for after dark. Me too. Anyway, during dark after, which is when the moons disappear mm-hmm. from the sky and, um, If you are caught out, you freeze to death very quickly. Freeze to death, and they're they're only they don't have like defenses against that. It's just like well, gotta be inside
1: Mm -hmm. when
0: dark after takes hold. Yeah, I'm sorry. Please continue.
1: No, it it was just hard. So like pragmatically, I understand it. It's not like it's that dissonant. It was just difficult Mm -hmm. that how much these people love these dragons and they have to kill them in order to keep their society going and And,
0: difficult for the characters too yeah
1: yeah like it's not like
0: they're numb to it
1: right one of the characters is this incredibly broken old man who is a drug addict and is just so sad lacarn yeah who's been a slave his whole life and is not able to buy himself out just because he can't uh, because anytime he gets a dragon close enough, it fails and he just can't make enough money betting and he spends all his money on drugs. <laughs> it's just it's brutal stuff, man. It's really
0: brutal stuff. Yeah, there's a great moment of insight when Jacken says that he he realizes that. Maybe the reason that Lacarn is always yelling at the boys when they're in the nursery is so that they can't form connections in their brain with some of the young dragons who are going to be taken away to be, you know, used in the stews mm-hmm. or cold. Yeah. Um, which is when, you know, maybe they make it far enough, uh, but then they're not the strongest of the pack. And because only the strongest can survive to breed, yeah. um, they have to yeah take them away and eat them. Yeah, so... Can you imagine having these creatures that you have mental communication with that you are eating?
1: So, <laughs> no. I mean, my one of my cats recently passed away, and I was broken. I mean, it was about three weeks ago now, and I'm finally, like, coming back up. And uh, we only barely understood each other. <laughs> so... <laughs> I can't you, you got your own version of mental
0: rainbows from Pippin,
1: oh sure, yeah, but it's you know we didn't have like a mind to mind connection where we could tell each other to do things or soothe each other- like it's not no, I couldn't imagine I couldn't imagine I would probably very quickly become like Lacarne in this world, <laughs> so uh yeah, it's my old new impressions,
0: yeah, I had a um a similar experience rereading, uh, which I think really just points to how mature this book is. Um, yeah, I think it can be appreciated at a lot of different ages on different levels mm-hmm. for sure. And reading it as a child, it felt more. Um, You know, I just saw it more superficially, of course, uh, because when you're a kid, you just kind of accept everything (laughs) as you encounter it and Mm -hmm. you're like, yeah, okay, whatever, that's going down. You don't (laughs) examine it. Um, You really take it at face value. And uh, it felt like a really fun book there's mystery yeah. there's uh, secrecy dragons there are amazing dragons and as you <laughs> all know we are big fans of dragons of all kinds yeah. and these are very cat-like dragons yeah. um there's so many moments with uh when Heartspot is younger with the little hatchling it's weird calling her heart's because we don't learn her name until like mm-hmm. the last two pages of the book yeah um but with the hatchling uh, there's so many moments that reminded me of just raising my kitten over the last year and the playfulness, but also the intent to kill.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. It's such a
0: great combination. And I, I'm I, so obsessed with the way that the dragons and humans communicate yeah. the first time that the hatchling communicates with Jackin, and he sees a little rain he yeah. says a little rainbow pushed into his head yeah. it's just like
1: what so cute like they all have their own like color signatures yeah their
0: own color schemes yeah. um because the we don't learn too much about what other dragons provide there's um blood is Bloodborn the name of the one who dies at the no, beginning brother or, something blood or- brother. Um, Wait, there's there's a I'm sorry we're so rough on these names. They're so they're all so similar. Like all the humans have one naming convention and all the dragons have one naming it's convention. Blood brother. Blood brother. Um blood brother just has a red, sluggish sort of mud that Jack can, can see in his mind when he's communicating mm-hmm. with him. Yeah. Um Yeah. So I, I absolutely love the mental communication. And like we were saying earlier, um I think it's rare to see this type of society in a fantasy book. This is a sci-fi fantasy too. Um, so maybe that explains it. But in, in a young adult book where it it is a society that's, like clinging to the fringes of life Um, and the main characters, the individuals in the book are, are just doing their best to survive day to day. Um, And, you know, even the master, like the, you know, most elevated figure in their society and even on their planet in some ways, because
1: he calls himself the best um, dragon breeder, dragon breeder. Yeah. Yeah, He doesn't Mm -hmm. say trainer on the planet. All All star four is the fourth planet of a seven planet rim system in the Arado galaxy. Okay, now we know where we are. <laughs> Thank you, tour guide Madeline. <laughs> Once a penal colony marked KK29 on the convict map system is a semi-arid, metal-poor world with two moons.
0: Thank you again, tour guide <laughs> Madeline. <laughs>
1: Indeed. I One more thing I wanted to say that I forgot is this is one of those books that it really looks like it's packaged as a kid's book. So mm-hmm. I read it, and I remember while I was reading it being like, oh, I'm not supposed to be reading this book. <laughs> this is out of my age age yeah, range. There's but a I'm lot still of reading um
0: implied sex yeah. in the book. And
1: a lot of violence.
0: Well, yeah, the violence is interesting. And this is something else I wanted to mention as a new impression. Um, it's so concentrated, like it actually is very minimal the action overall like if you think about it a lot of the book is just like the quiet Mm day-to-day of living and raising a dragon hatchling and Um, then there's
1: scenes of super violent yeah
0: intercut with these moments of extremity yeah um because i mean you can really like count them on one hand like there's the drac Fight with the group. Then there's him fighting the single male drag. Mm -hmm. There is Heart's Blood's fight in the pit. Um, And then, other than that, uh, there's like moments in the nursery um, Mm -hmm. with, uh, at the beginning, with Blood Brother Dying. talks
1: about dragons being taken to the stews. It's pretty upsetting. It's
0: horrific. Yeah. Yeah. I understand why the cook, Karina, excuses herself and just doesn't come to work that day. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I would do the same thing. Um, And, Yeah. So there is this underlying current of unease and violence, but the explicit violence is actually kind of rare, especially if you compare this to like other similar fantasy books that Mm -hmm. have um, a lot of dragons and also specifically dragon fighting Mm -hmm. in them. Like there's only one fight.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, and, and that makes sense because it's so tied to Jackin's perspective and this is his life, like being in the nursery and then being in his secret shelter in the sands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we're not we're not going to get experiences outside of that. It's it's a strange book, but in a good way. And mm-hmm. I think because of the way it's written, and because there are all these underlying really big concepts it's perfect for young readers because it's instilling some of these bigger themes and ideas in them, but it's also superficially entertaining. So they're going to keep reading it and then it can kind of ruminate in their brains. Yeah. 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 I also, when I was younger, um, I think I, I've always really loved Janiel and, and her work. Um, but outside of the Pit Dragon books. Um, I've read like a lot of her short stories. Mm. So I always felt like it was because she is a prolific short story writer. Oh. So I've always felt like it was hard to find her work because, especially when you're young it's and we didn't have you know the internet it was difficult to like figure out how I could get access to those short story collections and like which ones she was a part of so I would always get so excited if I was reading a new collection of fantasy stories and she was listed um, as one of the authors interesting there is a collection that I really love that's called The Green Man that's specifically about I remember um, that one. nature fantasy yeah. and sprites and mm-hmm. nymphs. Um, it's, it has some really great stories in it, and there is one from her in that collection too. Maybe we'll cover that at some point. Yeah. And adding to my general general and confusion is that I've only read the first book. I've only read Dragon's Blood. Oh, okay. I don't know how I... Didn't manage to get my hands on the other ones, um because this they book, get a
1: lot more intense.
0: This book ends with so much momentum, too. yeah, um I felt stunned that it was over. you know, I was like, okay, just go on into the next. Mm-hmm. Like I'm ready because it sets up so much promise. And this is such a good introduction to a series. um you're you're so excited for the characters mm-hmm. at the end. Um, yeah. and there's so, there's so much promise, um, especially I think in Aki's character. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just really want to see what she's able to do next.
1: Yeah. So d- I read the, the first spoilers three. ahead
0: for the Pit Dragon Chronicles.
1: And um, so in the next one, Jekin is a master, like living at Sarkon's nursery and helping train his dragons, especially um, Heart's Blood has her first clutch. And uh, there's this some sort of planetary coup that Jacken gets wrapped up in, and he ends up Whoa. running away from the nursery with Heartsblood and her hatchlings, um, and Aki. And Heartsblood dies in the second book; she gets killed by one of their enemies. And Jackin and Aki get caught with Heartsblood's body and her hatchlings out. In the desert, in the uh, dark after, after, and they uh, sleep inside of Heart's Blood's body to not die. And then they find out that by doing that... You gain the powers of a dragon, like they can see the world in a million more colors like a dragon can, and they can communicate mind to mind with any dragon. And they can survive in the dark after because they have like these dragon powers now. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) And then in (laughs) the... (laughs) <laughs> My so, mind is blown. <laughs> so then they run away, and they're just Yeah, because they're dragon people. <laughs> yeah. And How and do they go back to society? They don't. They're just living in, like, these caves with... But on the same planet? Yeah, with hearts, bloods, hatchlings, and Aki and Jackin They're just, like, hanging out, living their dragon lives. And then they in the third book, they accidentally discover this society of terrifying cave people who routinely kill dragons um and uh, so they live outside of society yeah yeah and i think that they they kill dragons and climb inside them to get their powers because they know about it and Jack and aki are like horrified and and i think they're setting it up I think this is why the third book feels unfinished, like there Mm. should be a fourth book, which there was 20 years later, Mm -hmm. because it's them being like, they steal a bunch of those scary cave people's dragons to free them so they won't be sacrificed. And then they're like, we have to stop people from killing and mistreating dragons, dot, dot, dot. So then they don't...
0: Actually, uh, overthrow the
1: dragon fighting. Well, I, I think that's what happen until the in end. The fourth book, okay. But I haven't read the fourth book, so I don't know.
0: Because it's so clear that that is being set up as the eventual conclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, because Jacken and Aki have so much empathy, um, and you can tell that they're going to be the main characters going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was. This was like my only disappointment with this book, but I also understand why, why Jane Yolen did this the way she did because Jacken isn't at a place yet where he could possibly be questioning like the fabric right, of, their of society, society
1: and economy. Yeah. Like he's just trying to get fighting base to work. a place in the society where he's not under someone's boot. Yeah, um, and
0: like honestly, just in, in danger at all times yeah. because his. Supervisor is violent and volatile and like stoned all the time. Um, and <laughs> not stoned,
1: it's it's more like PCP. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's not good. I know at first I was like, Oh, this is a weed analog, and then I was like, Oh, oh,
1: it's terrifying. It's, so it's like bath salt because
0: it sends him into like a rage. Yeah, <laughs> it's
1: horrifying. It's at first it's like heroin, or maybe on a lighter scale, weed. 'Cause he it just makes him fall asleep. Yeah. But then afterwards he cries red tears and attacks people. So it's, it's dark.
0: Pretty, pretty dark. Upsetting. Stuff. Um but I was yeah, I was just hoping for a little more questioning of like the way all of this works. It mm-hmm. is interesting that they have things in place like the rules that dragons should never kill the other dragons in the fighting pits and they're actually specifically training them to not kill each other right Um, so there is a sort fight yeah they want them to fight and I know a lot of that is just like oh we put all this work into this dragon we don't want to lose a dragon in every Mm -hmm. fight that would be wild um, with the amount of resources that are poured into these dragons but at the same time I do feel like there is a certain sanctity of life assigned to like mature dragons Mm -hmm. Um, because the old dragons that don't have have any kind of use in their economy anymore are still taken care of. Mm-hmm. Um, they well, still but have they're them used in the as breeders. But then there's the one that he talks about and says um, is no longer breeding anymore, the one who is Heartsblood's father. Um, but who is still in the mm, nursery? Okay. Um, so it's so you know they like, like get put out time. to pasture. Yeah. essentially. Well, that seems um, pretty rare. I like mean, you have to survive a lot of odds to make it to that point oh, as a dragon. Yeah, and the, I'm not saying that the society isn't completely brutal because it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is just an interesting balance there. Um, so I think that is the setting the stage for the day when everyone is forced to stop making these dragons fight Mm -hmm. each other yeah it was just so sad like heart's blood going in for the first time um even though she was ready um a little baby and like it's, it's hard to know whether the dragons see the fighting as play or something scarier and Darker. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think it it feels aggressive to Like, them. is it
1: Pokemon or is it dog fighting? <laughs> Somewhere in between. <laughs> it's
0: like the question, like, is it porn or is it art? <laughs> is it Pokemon or dog fighting? <laughs> yeah. No. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm trying to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and. We already mentioned Anne McCaffrey, but this reminded me so much of Pern, um, and we have an episode on Dragon Song. If Mm -hmm. anyone's listening, if anyone is interested in listening, Um, because the societies are kind of similar, and that there are these like maybe there are some areas of quasi enlightenment, but it's much more widespread that people are just trying to cling to life and trying to eke out a um, living, just get day to day. And that's why there are these um, just like ingrained problematic
1: practices and worldviews that yep. the characters have. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of um, Tatooine from the Star Wars universe. I had weird Tatooine moments. Too. Yeah. I mean, there's some striking similarities.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. I, I did the slave population um, Desert the way World that gambling is like the main source of income mm-hmm. and the for any stimulus people. for the economy. Yeah. Um and yet everyone is really like stuffed into it together like mm-hmm. people are just on top of each other doing whatever it is that they're trying to do to, to survive make make candy. yeah yeah no totally yeah <laughs> Tatooine tattooing vibes yeah it's so rich and i uh, am really really happy that we revisited it because mm-hmm. there was so much there that i just didn't pick up when i was younger
1: yeah yeah no it's very true
0: and i look forward to reading the other books for the first time i can't believe it's going to be a trip. I can't believe I haven't. Um, it's so interesting because I also feel like I didn't pick up the sci-fi elements as much when I was younger reading it. I, I just like chose to see it more as full-blown fantasy where mm. I was just really focusing on like thinking about it from a micro viewpoint instead okay. of the macro. Like we get it at the very beginning and you
1: just reread it like that. It was it, a planet in a rim. It's very sci-fi. It might be more sci-fi than it is fantasy, actually. Yeah,
0: it's hard to say in this book, at least, because everything is so personal and close to home. And we're really just focused on like the bond between a boy and a dragon.
1: Boy (laughs) and his dragon. Yes. (laughs)
0: Um, It uh, I think it can read more. Yeah. More like straightforward fantasy. Um, But it's really it makes sense. And it's really cool that the other books do take things to such a like a broader perspective and look at the world and the other planets, too. as a whole. Mm -hmm. Um, magic systems we should talk about the technology instead right yeah so in because it is sci-fi magic and technology are very interwoven and kind of the same force
1: because there's some magic going on with people communicating with their dragons their dragons think in rainbows and people can see that so uh that's pretty cool i mean i've never experienced that with my dragon so if my cat had uh, audible rainbow thoughts they would just be like little different colored poop emojis
0: (laughs) it'd just be like a fish and that's a poop a A a bird a bird a squirrel um. Yeah. So we're not quite at that level yet. <laughs> Someday we'll be mentally communicating with our cats. Mark my words, and it's going to be horrible. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just going to be an unending. Feed me. Um, I re- okay. Really quick interjection. Yeah. I'm I'm reading uh Robin Hobb's Tawny Man trilogy, and I haven't read any of other any other of Robin Hobb's books, but. A big part of the books is being able to speak to animals as a magical power. And the way that cats talk is fantastic. Pretty much all they ever say is, You love me best. (laughs) (laughs) And the narrator is really great. That's how he sounds when he is saying the cat's thoughts. Like it's always just them being like, The cat is wonderful.
0: Oh, that's amazing. That's kind of similar to the way um, that there is this specific language that trainers are supposed to use with dragons mm. and dragon's blood yeah. um, that if you use thou the and, and thou. thee yeah, and it, it makes not, them feel more grand yeah and you like speak in this old English <laughs> and you gain a greater intimacy with them mm-hmm. and that was really cool I feel like there's an entire piece of world building there that yeah, has to do with
1: really like fun.
0: the great dragons of old and yeah. like their lineage being passed down to their descendants and mm-hmm. stuff. Maybe I'm projecting, but I feel like that's what no Jane Yolen was going totally for. Totally. Yeah. Um yeah, and that was such a fun <laughs> When Jack is like nervous that he doesn't know how to use the and thou correctly. I know. <laughs> Sometimes he forgets and says forgets and says you. And, and then the dragon gets
1: like, so confused. Oh,
0: what? I thought I was the best. Don't you like that? <laughs> Not the second person. Yeah. Um although the and thou are the second person too, but casual and formal. Um yeah, so I, I liked that use of language and like I feel like language is really important and kind of has its own, you know, it's not magic exactly, but it is a fabric of society. And we've read a lot of and kind of discussed in detail a lot of books that have this um, powerful language. The one that comes to mind immediately is The Folk Keeper, actually, Mm. um, which we have an episode on. Um, One of my favorite books of all time. Check it out. Yeah. Amazing book. Um, Read it and then listen to our episode. Equally as amazing. <laughs> One of your favorite podcasts of all time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, and I always really like that. I love seeing what different authors do with that type of like name magic, word magic. Um, but yeah, in this, so in this book, we have different naming conventions for slaves versus uh, free folks, um, and also for the dragons, um, and then the the and the uh, there's also interesting like moments of advanced technology paired with medieval approaches yeah. to daily life. Um, and I think that's meant to indicate that because this was kind of a planet of people that were cast off from society or who were yeah i guess it was a penal colony they only
1: have access to like the dregs of technology yeah they
0: have bits and pieces and mm-hmm. like it's clear that there's some kind of interplanetary travel mm-hmm. available yeah and he calls some of the um gamblers jack and calls some of the gamblers at the fight at the end of the book rocket Men. Rocket
1: men, yeah. yeah,
0: and I was like, "Wow, the word rocket is really jarring <laughs> after, you know, three hundred pages of like bowls of stew." <laughs> yeah, no, yeah,
1: um,
0: but they also mention the power packs for the stingers, the weapons that are used mm-hmm. to stun dragons and to fight drac dracs. I don't know what the plural and the singular are. Um, so that's also fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm yeah, another reason why I'm curious to see what's in the other books in terms of what people have access to Um, because like on the one hand, if they're caught outside after in dark after uh, they will die. Like, it's not like they have, you know, suits or like clothing that could keep them safe, which seems like it would be within their reach if they have like rockets. And I'm assuming like, you know, astronaut type helmets and, but not if they're just
1: incredibly poor
0: clothing yeah no exactly it's just a yeah such a stratification of society and like mm-hmm. what the different tiers of people have access to yeah so something that was interesting about <laughs> reading this book was that I tried it as an audiobook I'm not an me audiobook too. person I am Madeline is um I really struggle with them I'm just realizing that I that's not a good way for me to learn
1: um, and of course she tried on this book where the uh, audible version is, weird questionable (laughs) i had to
0: talk about it with madeline because at first i was like i really don't listen to audiobooks i don't know what they're like and uh, you know with fantasy maybe it's normal that the narrator is trying to like take every character to a weird heightened place um but the variety of accents and the treatment of like moments of drama versus moments
1: of levity was just so jarring. And, like, it's not. If you have a deep voice and you're a man and you're doing a book, it's. There's really a. A safe place in there to just raise your the timbre of your voice a little bit and be a woman to be a female character. I'm talking like this. that's just like no, it's awful. It's jarring <sighs> and obviously you're not gonna sound like a woman. so don't go to the extent where you sound like a clown.
0: I instantly <laughs> hated both of Chucken's friends. <laughs>
1: Oh my god! Because their voices are terrible. Their voices are the worst,
0: I think, of any character in the book. Um, no, because like, you have the one,
1: the one who's like this, like like a kid on the schoolyard who's then, like gonna pick your pockets. And then there's another one with a Cockney brogue. <laughs> it just makes no sense at
0: all. And I was like. Okay. So on the one hand, I was thinking about this as I started the book. It's probably hard. I think Jane Yolen did a good job of it, but to depict like a class of society that has had no like education or privilege or human rights um, mm-hmm. and what those children are like and like the way they talk to each other and show like they you know, roughness around mm-hmm. the edges um, without being totally violent and explicit, you know, in a book for kids. Do you see, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So I feel like that's uh so then the, the narrator was like trying to take that to another place and be like, these are rascals. Um I also they, But it was odd the results were odd.
1: A good audiobook reader like the reader of the Robin Hobbs series that I'm listening to, they're they're just a good reader. And it's not good reading to get to overact in tense scenes.
0: Is it normal for every character to have a different cartoon
1: voice? No. No, the narrator just knows their own voice and does a very slightly different thing for each character, but still in their own voice. Mm-hmm. Because you, if you're literally voice acting, then yeah, it sounds cartoonish. But if you're just reading and you have a very slightly different pitch or Mm -hmm. manner of speaking for each character and they're not going to be that different right it's like some of them are going to be kind of interchangeable Mm -hmm. but if you're good at it then it won't be jarring it'll just be distinguishable and part of that person's character even like it'll be appropriate and correct if you're not good at it then the listener will hate each character because their voices are so jarring and strange okay it makes sense, and you're not like there's a way to get evocatively tense in a tense scene where the character is stressed without ah, 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 ah. that it's just resort. like oh god, stop. Yeah, I switched away
0: from the audiobook once I um could and I started enjoying everything just a lot. Yeah, more yeah, and so if you're gonna revisit this, don't listen to the audiobook, don't listen to the audiobook. yeah. Get it from your local library or dig up your childhood copy as we did. Yeah, we did. Go to your mom's garage. (laughs) (laughs) Where magic
1: happens.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah, not to totally trash the narrator, whomever. You've got a good start, Guy. So because she was also like one of the most egregious sins in the audiobook, I thought, uh, the cook, Karina, I think is a good transition into my favorite segment. Pretend food.
1: Pretend food. Pretend food. Talk. Talk sounds amazing. Yeah, this and book has like a lot some. of good pretend food. Yeah. Um,
0: we've been covering books lately that have a lot of real life food that's just put into a fantasy context. And this one has some great made up food. um I don't love how much dragon meat is involved. Yeah, I, don't, I don't want
1: to talk about the dragon meat.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's. Uh, it's tough. I mean, I was kind of pretending until later on in the book that there were other sources of protein. Um but as the book goes on and you realize like oh, there's no animals. No. Um and the dracs are not edible. The dracs aren't edible. Yeah, I love how Janine goes out of her way to make the drug like <laughs> not just repulsive, Horrible. but like Beyond the question of whether they have any kind of soul or, right, yeah, or right. anything like a dragon, they're it's terrible. like a snake
1: head attached to like a weird body. Right. I just and they're really baggy and droopy. They smell. They horrible. smell atrocious <laughs> once they die.
0: Even because it's like we have a scene of baby dragon being stabbed to death. Yeah, and, and yet it's it's totally played yeah. as no, this is
1: necessary. <laughs> and these creatures. <laughs> But yeah, it's, it's I mean, gross. the dragons are sentient to a point far beyond any animals that we eat on our planet. And it's upsetting.
0: Yeah, it reminded me of our last episode, The Silver Chair, when the children and Puddleglam are fed a talking stag. Um, yeah. And they don't know until mm-hmm. after the fact. Here in Dragon's Blood, everyone has to knowingly eat dragon all the time or die. Yeah. I and mean, there's there's really nothing else.
1: Which is pretty funny. Um,
0: not great, uh, but but
1: talk. <laughs> it's, uh, talk sounds really awesome. You're it uh, it it sounds like it's like crimson colored because mm-hmm. there were red bubbles when it was boiling.
0: So yeah, it's distilled
1: to... from some sort of plants that are crimson in color, which is neat. Um,
0: and Jacken who is constantly on the verge of passing out because he doesn't sleep <laughs> he doesn't sleep <laughs> he has two full-time jobs I know it's ugh, it's a lot um but also what you have to do if you're going to raise a hatchling in secret which like his master expects him to do too so you know he gets he definitely gets like you can tell at the end of the book that he's been cut some slack mm-hmm. because they know that he's doing this, um, but yeah. Every night he's up training his hatchling. In the day, whenever he has any downtime, he's on the sands with his hatchling. So he's just constantly on the move and then napping wherever he can. Um, but the talk is the only thing that can revive him at uh, many different moments. I need um, some talk. In this, I'm gonna. This is how we're introduced to talk. In the center of each table stood the talk pot, full of the rich, hot, wine-colored drink. The cook, old Karina, made it as thick as the mud of the stud baths. She claimed that if it were any thinner, it lost much of its protein and all of its taste. Platters of lizard eggs and heavy slabs of lizard meat.
1: Ho, ho! (laughs) Wait. (laughs) Wait. Is that so
0: there's so other, there are other, other lizards sources.
1: in the desert, so like
0: non sentient lizards, yeah, I guess there that lizard is used as a curse at different times, but I thought that was like a diminutive dragon description, hmm. huh, interesting, okay, well, we're realizing something right now <laughs> during pretend food, that's where pretend food is for it. teaches us for all learning. because you can gain so much knowledge about a society by. Examining what food they eat in literature. It's truly incredible.
1: Someday the aliens will see that I survived mostly off ice cream and they'll be like, this was a trash person. (laughs) And yet she was cold all the time. (laughs) Why? 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 It is confusing.
0: (laughs) I would think you'd be having like hot puddings or something. I
1: don't know. Well, where can one purchase hot puddings? Just go to the
0: hot pudding bed. It it's is down the street, around the corner easy.
1: to procure ice cream, but uh hot puddings. Mm. I'm Sorry, that's just the
0: best hot dessert I if could come you, up with. If huh? You make a hot
1: pudding restaurant where I can purchase um uh uh cherry no, no, what's it called? The the thing Cherry's Jubilee. No 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 from Time City, Tale of Time City. <sighs> 20th century butter pie butter pie if you can find me a place where i could get butter pie which is both cold and hot there you go i'll never eat ice cream again only butter pie we have like almost in every episode now just a plea for someone (laughs) to give us butter pie or like tell us i was eating these caramels with marshmallows in them the other day and i was like hmm wow that sounds pretty serious coming close to butter pie
0: (laughs) yeah they were at our office um, the other really intense food moment um that stayed with me is when Karina is making the uh, like it's like a protein mash to spread on bread. you know what I'm talking about, like, like pate, yes, scargon. That's what it's called. <laughs> Scargon. Oh, no, no. Scargon is a spice, I'm sorry, That makes that is making the mash she's making hotter. It's literally um, just called mash. Yeah, it's just, just a mash, I guess. Uh, he opened his mouth and tried not to wince as she popped a spoon of pulpy mash into his mouth. Yeah, that's, that's all we get. But then she says he says, is this dinner? And she says, of course not. I'll let it cool and put it down in the cellar in a big crock. In a couple of weeks, it'll set and we can spread it on hot buns or slabs of bread. I want that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it's, she's like putting a bunch of spices in it. And it sounds like it just sounds like a really like rich spice butter, basically, um, to me. Don't hmm. make that face <laughs> me. Oh, my God. I'm just thinking of like a real world version. But if it's what butter doing. and she put a spoonful in his mouth. Anyway, um, because it is a society that is just based on sustenance, like there's not a lot of room for fun food, Um, but I still do appreciate the survival food that we get and Mm -hmm. the care that's put into it. Um, And as we've said a few times now, like the fascinating interplay of loving and raising dragons and then eating them. Yeah. Turns my stomach to think about, but uh, here we are. It is rough. So that's it for pretend food. Now it is time to discuss our badass ladies and beyond that, the role that women play in this book in this society because um, they don't get a great uh, a great. They don't have a good time. They're not not a good place to be. Not a great place if, to, if to be a, a lady. woman. Yeah. Um, we have uh, the the two. The main female characters are Karina and Aki, and Heart's Blood, and Heart's Blood. But we'll talk about her later. Don't narrow your <laughs> eyes at me. I'm going to talk about the humans first. <laughs> Blue. Um Aki is a very uh, like tragic figure in some ways, but she won't let herself be tragic. Yeah. Like she's very intent on being independent. Um, she was born.
1: Uh, into a baggery that's what they're called well, she was a prostitute's child conceived by the master
0: i could tell from the start that he was her dad yeah um <laughs> Because the way she talks
1: to him, I was like, okay, that's probably her dad. Yeah, she has
0: a special disdain for him. Jackin Um, has
1: no idea what's going on, and he thinks that
0: she's his lover, which... I know. Jackin is so stupid sometimes. No, he's a 13-year-old. He's a 13-year-old boy, and the way... Because the story is told from the point of view of a 13-year-old boy and like the other 13-year-old boys that he interacts with, all the women are just treated as sex objects Mm -hmm. um, incessantly, uh, I can't believe that Aki like spends as much time with Jack as she does. When like every time he is in the mess hall, all of his friends are just like chanting her name because they think that they're hooking up. It's like, wow, <laughs> I can't. I would be so tired, Sounds so angry, so, like, and so a tired. Super fun world to be a lady in, and she's spending all her time trying to educate herself to become. You know, a doctor, basically. Um, and everyone is constantly saying that, oh, yeah, she just really gets around because, like, she's always with she's, the doctor. She's hot. Like, she should be in the, the master, and She's beautiful. Um, and she's, like, working really hard. But what it really means is just that she is... Uh, steppable. Yeah. And that she's using sex as a means of getting forward. It's just, it's really hypocritical because so many of the women in this society um, to be a sex worker is the only way that they can fill their bags and possibly get their freedom. And yet all the men are constantly looking down on that and commenting on them and also just really firmly solidifying them as sex objects and nothing else. Um, Did you want to say something?
1: No, I was just reflecting on the, unfairness of it all.
0: Yeah, it's really unfortunate. And it's also so messed up that even Jacken, the way he talks about her, like, he has a moment when he's getting mad because he's thinking that she's been, like, sleeping with the master, her dad, um... And saying, like, well, she was born into a baggery, so, like, I wouldn't be surprised. And it's just, like... Wouldn't be surprised that she's a slut. Oh, my God. It's, it's really, really frustrating. Um, and I think it's, like, accurate. I think this is the role that women would have in this society, and... Um, It doesn't make it any less dispiriting and stressful to read about. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do appreciate that we get to spend as much time with Aki as we do um, because her experience and a boy's experience are so vastly different. Um, And I appreciate that she is doing her best to be independent. She's not accepting money from the master. Mm -hmm. Um, And... She also hints at something that, I don't know, maybe you can speak to this since you've read the other books, but like, I feel that there is something very evil about the master um, because she, why would she have such a disdain for him? Um, I don't,
1: I don't know. You don't remember? I feel like there's something that we're going to, I don't know. I thought her disdain was just like trying to get out from under the patriarchy.
0: Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that's a big part of it, yeah. but it seems like, and also he's just like a bad dad in a lot of different ways. Um, and I can tell that he's very fueled by his greed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. We don't know that much about him yet, just from the first book. Yeah. But yeah, Aki, Aki, like I said, she is a really interesting figure. I like Karina a lot too, um, because she has, she's also intriguing she doesn't have a bag um she
1: was a prostitute and that's how she bought her way out Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, but she chooses to work at the nursery Mm -hmm. as the cook um and it seems like she does have a fulfilling life and she's looking when she's looking at the picture of herself when she was young and talking to jack and she says like yeah that girl she was never happy Mm -hmm. Um, but like she did what she had to do and today i am happy yeah um And I appreciate that we get that insight too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, it's, I don't know. I wanted more women, like in a book that was written by a woman too. Um, And I understand why they're treated the way that they are. um, But it was just frustrating and like kind of hard to get through at times. No, definitely. Um, So, would you like to talk about female dragons and their place in the society since you are interested in focusing on heart's blood?
1: Yeah, female and male dragons can both be fighters. Um, It seems like female dragons would have the harder time of it when it comes to breeding because they're the ones who are raising these little dragon hatchlings and then... But they
0: also get to choose their mate. Like, they're not forced to breed. Oh, yeah, it's true. Dragon... Well, choose their mate to an extent. Like, they're put together with a chosen mate and they either
1: invite them to breed or they show mm -hmm. their disinterest and then they're taken away. Yeah, they're... I don't know. They're still also kind of slaves, but they... Everyone's a slave. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe their lot is better than the human women's, but they still have kind of a rough time of it. Although Heart's Blood has a pretty nice life. She gets to just go chill out in the desert and hang out with Jack in and, you know, swim in the stream.
0: (laughs) She does. It's true. Yeah, she's... I like it seems like it would be that spunk. I mean, even though you have way fewer comforts in some mm-hmm. ways, it seems like it would be a lot nicer to be a stolen hatchling being raised in the sands than to be in the nursery where it's like this messed up society. And if you're not
1: strong enough, you're going to get yeah, or like killed by one of your litter mates. No, exactly. And she's mute, um, which she was purposefully bred to be that way. But I kind of like it because it makes her different and weird and, you know. Yeah, it's a really powerful... It's a seeming weakness that it's actually quite a
0: strength. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that is really allowing her to keep her cards closer to Mm -hmm. her chest. Yeah. Um, And yeah, she's going to be like an oddity on the pit circuit. Um, I'm happy to know that they escape... But that she dies immediately after is depressing. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. It's a, like I said, it's a brutal world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, you know, death is But she does save Aki and Jack in,
1: in her death. So And her hatch legs, too. Cool.
0: Well, should we pick our badass ladies and rate them?
1: My badass lady is Heart's Blood. And uh, her rating is a free dragon my my
0: badass lady is going to be Aki. I really felt for her she's in a rough place, having a rough experience. um and i I like kind of resent a little bit that like she and Jekin are like very clearly now gonna have a romantic relationship because it's not like she has options <laughs> um, but it's fine. i I understand why everything is yeah happening the way it has and why it will happen the way it will. I'm reading Aki. I, a life without a bag. I mean, it's going to be the same rating as a uh, heart's blood got because in this society, to be free is really the only way that you can have control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh. It's, a, it's a heavy book in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I guess that's what we're going to go out Thanks for on. <laughs> coming along
1: with us for this ride. Um,
0: I think that's everything for Dragon's Blood. Uh, like we said, we really enjoyed rereading this. Um, we've been covering a lot of requests lately, and this was not a request, <laughs> but it was a book that we had close ties to in childhood. Um, so I hope you enjoyed it. If you have a request you'd like to make, we are slowly but surely working our way through a long list um if you made your request a long time ago i'm sorry that we haven't gotten to it yet but we're working on it um you can get in touch with us at dragonbabiespodcast at gmail.com on our website dragonbabiespodcast.com on instagram at dragonbabiespodcast or on twitter at dragonbabiespod and just so y'all know and you can get excited our next book we're gonna announce right now um is by tamara pierce yes and i haven't picked which one yet because of complicated reasons that we'll discuss when we do the episode but it's going to be one of those circle of magic books yeah so we have had a lot of requests for those as well it's gonna be um, awesome. and i'm excited yeah So thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate all of you. If you could leave us, if you haven't already, a rating on Apple Podcasts, that would be great. So we can reach some more folks and do this podcasting thing more and more. And well, yeah, that's it.
1: I'm Grace. And I'm Madeline. Until next time, goodbye.